So um, I know that uh, this Friday night there's going to be a women's ministry event. Is that right? Friday night? And Sarah Burns will be speaking. It's going to be at Misty's house. So ladies, keep that in mind. And uh, I know that's this weekend. Six o'clock. Kathy said it's six o'clock. So be sure and keep that in mind. It's going to be a good night. And uh, yes. All right, that's this Friday night. So there you go. So if you don't want to bring this up, you just want to eat. You don't have to get with you. Just show up. <laughs> the Lord will help you. <laughs> Always does. Always does. So be sure and get with Misty. I uh, anybody else have a? I tell you, does anybody have a praise report tonight? I I just want to say for myself that uh, Monday night. You know, we've never done this before, and the Lord just kind of laid it on my heart to do it, and so we uh, we were kind of in uncharted territory. And um, I, I just thought it was amazing. Uh, turnout was amazing. Uh, that, that church seats about 600, I think. Is that, is that about right? 600? And it was, it was at least more than about at least half full. So we probably had 300 or so there. And then, uh, of course, Mike and the praise team, they did, they did amazing. They just did amazing. And I tell you, I, 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 I'm really spoiled to them. Because I'm just so comfortable with them that I, I just I just feel at home anywhere I am if they're on the platform with me, and so uh, we just I just felt so at home and the, the spirit of the Lord was was so beautiful and usually usually whenever you give an altar call like I gave that night because other churches don't do it the way we do it it's usually kind of awkward a little bit, uh, but that night as I was doing it people started getting in the aisle and coming down and people just started coming down and praying and it was just a I, you, you couldn't have scripted it and made the service any better. It was just wonderful. Brother Josh did a great job, and then we ended up raising, pledging $59,000 for missions, uh, Light for the Lost and Heart Fund, and all of them were records, uh, more money than, than we've ever pledged before, 28000 for Light for the Lost, uh, 16000 for Heart Fund, which the most we've ever done is thirteen, and then 15000 for Speed the Light. So it's just a just a beautiful night, and all of y'all that all of y'all uh, came out and supported us in this, and we just we just I I just can't say enough nice things. It was just it was just such a wonderful evening, and such you know it's one of those days where things where I thought you know we ought to just get together and do this again tomorrow night because this was this one was so much fun. I, I thought it was. I just and I know you did too, but uh, anyway. So thank you so much. So that's my praise report. So what's yours? Somebody, anybody else like to give God some praise in this house? Yes, ma'am.
Amen. More than this. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anybody else?
right. <laughs> right. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Good deal. All right. Well, tonight I want to I want to talk about and, and start a, a study that I've called "Stay in Prayer," and we're going to talk for the next few weeks anyway about prayer about um, well we'll just let it unfold as it unfolds and uh, it's so important you know there's really serving the Lord um, if you don't have a prayer life and if you don't read the word of the Lord then it's hard to stay in church now, you can come to church and enjoy the presence of the Lord, and you can put on the Holy Spirit. But in order to have a relationship with God, like Sister Betty was talking about, and to see God work in your life, like Sister Tammy was talking about, and to see an angel show up when you need him, like Sister Ruth was talking about, and to see help in the time of struggle, like Brother Mike was talking about, you've got to have some kind of relationship with God that goes beyond just showing up on a Sunday morning and lifting your hands for a little while. God calls us to walk with him 
and talk with them on a daily basis. And, and, and it, 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 in today's culture, that sounds so hard. It sounds so difficult because of our lifestyle, because of the speed in which we live, because of the, even the uncertainty. Uh, so many times you may get up in the morning and think you're going one direction, and all of a sudden you get up and your whole world's topsy-turvy and going a different direction. You know, our lifestyle just moves and ebbs and flows so fast. But it's even a more reason for us to make sure that we can always keep our priorities right. Here's an old saying that I've heard. If the devil can't make you fall, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you fall, he'll make you busy. Because if you get busy enough that you start missing your times, missing, when, when I first came up here, uh, 11, 2011, however long ago that was, never had trouble finding time to do prayer and Bible study. Never had trouble. Always had plenty of time. Matter of fact, the first day I was here, I was done by about 1030. <laughs> but I'd said I was going to stay till 330 every day, so I stayed and, and, and found things to do. But now that I've been up here a while and I've got a routine going and things are kind of, the church has gotten bigger and things are happening and, and more stuff that needs to be kept up with and buildings going up and stuff happening, some days I go home and I tell Kathy, I, I didn't have time to really do any Bible study today. And she'll kind of chastise me a little bit because I, I can't do that. I can't do that. I've got to keep my priorities right or I can't hear from God. And if I don't hear from God, then I'm not leading you anywhere. And without a vision, the people still perish. And so it's so important that we, that we maintain that relationship, that we maintain our, that, that, that personal time, that we, that we keep our focus and our priorities right. Because in today's culture in which you live, it's easy, easy, easy to become so busy that you lose sight of what your goal is. And our goal is to make heaven. Our goal is to be the hands and feet of Christ on the earth. Our goal is to touch a nation, to touch a, to touch a people, to minister to those who we come in contact with. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about a topic that I've titled Stay in Prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity tonight, Father. Thank you for your blessings, O God. And now we pray, Almighty God, lead us and guide us as we study your word, O God, and cause us, O God, to see the beauty, Lord God. Cause us to, to, to grow in you, Father God. Cause us to be more dedicated and cause us to be more open, Father God, to a personal relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's go to 1 Thessalonians the fifth chapter, and I'm going to read a, a, just a few, three verses that you all really know. I don't really, you don't really have to turn there because you're going to know them as soon as I start reading them. Very familiar passage of scripture. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. says this, Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So Paul writes this at the end of a, a epistle 
And uh, on your sheet it says, Rejoicing in praise sets the atmosphere of our, of our prayer. It demonstrates a constant awareness of the presence and oversight of God in our lives. As Elisha did not prophesy until the musician came, and while the musician played, he prophesied. So when the heart rejoices in God, then it is fittest to call upon God. Setting the atmosphere, being able to put your mind and your, your spirit in the right position, being able to come into your prayer closet, your prayer time, however long that is and wherever that might be, being able to come into it with a mindset that's not cluttered, all begins with this one phrase that says, Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore sets the tone, sets the atmosphere. Even Elisha, the, the, the reference on that is uh, 2 Kings 3, 13 through 19. But I'm just going to tell you tonight that what happened was Jehoshaphat went with a king of Israel. I think his name was Ahaziah. And they went to go against the Moabites, and they got out there, and they, they ran out of water. And so they went to Elisha, and, and they asked Elisha what to do. And Elisha said, bring me a minstrel. Bring me somebody to help set an atmosphere. And whenever the minstrel came in and began to play, and, and Elisha began to seek the Lord, then Elisha prophesied, and he said, make this valley full of ditches. And what happened was they went out there and they dug ditches. And overnight, God filled the ditches with water. The Mennonites came down. They were defeated. You can, you can read it when you get home. But the first thing he had to do was set an atmosphere. The Bible begins whenever Je they asked Jesus how to pray. He said, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Before we can bring anything to God in prayer, we need to set an atmosphere. We need to make sure that our minds, our bodies, our thoughts get in a position where we can begin to pray to God and we can begin to hear from God. And so rejoicing and praising is the first step in order to set that atmosphere. We, we talk, we, my daughter, um, my daughter uh, is, is, knows a girl that's out there where she is, and this girl was raised in a pastor's home, but she didn't stay true to God. She went out into the world, and she did everything that, that you would do if you went out in the world. She did, she did it all. But in, as, she, as she got older, she came back to the Lord, and now Aaron and her have become friends, and Aaron asked her, she said, how did you do that? How can you be raised in a Christian home raised in a pastor's home, be raised in church, come here every week, experience God. It was a Pentecostal pastor. Experience God, experience the power of the Holy Spirit, experience all that. How can she, Aaron said, I could never do that because every time I thought about it, it, it just, I, I felt sick. I, I got scared. I didn't, I said, no, I don't, I don't want that. And she said, I've always backed away from it. How did you get in that shape? And you know what she said? Music. I started listening. If I was going to go party, I would listen to music that got me in the mood to where I didn't care. She didn't go out there listen to <laughs> Shane and Shane. She didn't go out there listening to Bethel. She didn't go out there listen to Elevation Worship and then get out there and get in a mess. 
She listened to music that would put her in an atmosphere where she could forget about God and do the things that she wanted to do without feeling the convicting power of God. She said an atmosphere. And that's the same thing that we do if we're going to worship God and be able to have a prayer life, then the first thing we likewise have to do is we have to make sure that we're maintaining an atmosphere. Now, I know this is old school. I know this is old school. I know this is old school. But if you spend your day listening to music that doesn't edify God, and you listen to music that talks about whatever it talks about that's not godly, if you spend your day listening to that stuff all day long and then you try and then somebody comes to you and say, I need you to help me pray about something. If you think that suddenly you're going to be in an attitude of gratitude and ready to pray, then I think you will agree with me that you're mistaken because you haven't set an atmosphere. You're not in a spirit of rejoicing. You're not in a spirit of personal relation. You're in a spirit of whatever you've been listening to. And music is so important to what we do. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go so far as to say you should never listen to anything else, although that's how I feel. But I'm not going to go that far in saying it. I'm just going to say this. If you spend time listening to things that exalt worldly stuff, then it's going to hamper your ability to be able to be used in spiritual things. Bitter water and sweet water can't flow at the same time. It's either bitter or it's sweet. It can't come out of the same well. And so if you're plugging in bitter things and then expecting something sweet to come out of it, then some people would say you're a fool. And in order to set the right tone and to set the right atmosphere, then we must be in a condition where we can enter into his gates and spend, come into his, his presence rejoicing. Um, the theme of 1 Thessalonians is coming, to, of, is coming of the Lord. It, um, hang on just a second. I got to get my thoughts back here. The theme of 1 Thessalonians is the coming of the Lord in relation to the believer's encouragement, comfort, watchfulness, and sanctification. So 1 Thessalonians ends with the coming of the Lord. The rapture of the church, if you read the end of every chapter, it talks about either the rapture of the church or the second coming of Christ. So the, the theme of that epistle is the coming of the Lord, making sure that you're, you're ready for the coming of the Lord. Um, the theme of this coming was preached and believed to be so imminent that some had quit their jobs believing it was no longer necessary to work. So is that going to set the right atmosphere? If you're, if you're so convinced that Jesus is coming today that you quit your job and empty out your savings and say, well, praise God, I'm going to go up on top of a mountain and wait because I know Jesus, you know, 88 reasons for Jesus to come in 88. I bought the book. But guess what? Didn't happen. It had 88 good reasons. Next year, he had 89 good reasons. Didn't happen then either. So my point is this. No man knows the day nor the hour. And we must be continually ready to go. 
But in the meantime, we must also occupy. Know what Jesus said? Occupy till I come. Occupy is a word that's a military word that means to hold your area, to occupy the things that he has given you to possess, to continue to move forward. This area is not completely evangelized. Even though we got a church on every corner, we got 22 churches between us and 418 on the highway. Not to mention how many are in the woods. But somehow we still haven't reached everybody. Don't understand that. But somehow we have not. And the, the answer is for us to continue to advance the kingdom of God, to occupy the area that he has given us to possess the area, to, to go into the area. And, and that doesn't happen by someone who's sitting on their suite by and by waiting for Jesus to come. It happens to people that are working and praying and pushing and trying to see the power of God move in their midst so that this area might be saved. And so even though we believe that Jesus is coming soon, and I, and I certainly believe Jesus is coming soon, and I think the signs and everything is there, and I think that, I think that you know, it's, it's even at the door. I think all those things, and I agree with all those things, and I haven't bought a burial plot yet because I don't expect to need it. But 20 years from now, I might need it. You see my point? So for me to relax and say, well, I'm going to coast to the finish is going to cause you not to make the finish. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice evermore. Verse 16, that word evermore, if you look on your sheet, the word evermore means this, at all times. Herein lies the secret of constant victory it is the expression of confidence that all things work together for good to them that love God. Rejoicing in the Lord creates an atmosphere which stifles the enemy and renders him impotent. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! You want to stop the attack of Satan in your life? Begin to worship God. Begin to pour Christian music, music that elevates Jesus. Now, I'm not a, I'm, I love all kinds of music, but I don't like rap. I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. But you know what? We got a bunch of 16 to 20-year-olds in here that listen to it, Christian rap. And they get something out of it. And we've had a couple of them come up here and, and rap. And I'm going to tell you what, when they do it, I seem to like it. I don't know why that is, but I do. And if it exalts Jesus Christ, then don't get caught up in a style. Don't get caught up in a form. You know, don't, don't say, well, you know, if it's not 4-4 and out of the red book, then it don't count. Yes, it does. Because it, it takes all, as somebody said in a song one time, Chad Burns, it takes all kinds to reach all kinds. And, and we, and we want to reach all kinds. And so if we're going to do that, then rejoicing evermore means rejoicing wherever we're at, rejoicing no matter what the situation, allowing the music and the things that are around us to minister to our soul. You know, you can get excited about Father Abraham had many sons if you have to. Right arm, left arm. 
turn around, sit down. <laughs> determine. Determine that you're going to rejoice. And when your situation's bad, and we all have bad situations, and sometimes you may have to rejoice through your tears. Everything doesn't always turn out like I hoped it would. Sometimes it turns out wrong. Sometimes it turns out bad. And when it does that, God expects me, as my wife tells me all the time, she expects me to use the emotions that he has given me. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to be discouraged. It's okay to be distraught. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to cry. It's okay to, 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 to feel like that, to, to have some bad, some, some, some feelings like you've been neglected. It's okay to feel like you've been hurt. It's okay to feel those things. But, but Paul had a thorn. Paul had a thorn. Where was that thorn? What does it say? What did he call it? A thorn in the flesh. A thorn in the flesh. It's okay to have an emotion. It's okay to express the things or to feel the things that a human feels. We're in a human experience and we're humans. But here's the thing. That thorn that you're feeling, that emotion that you're feeling, that hurt that you're feeling, that anger that you're feeling, whatever it is you're feeling has to stay no deeper than the flesh. The spirit has to rise up. The spirit has to rise up. And if the spirit rise up, rises up, then even though your flesh may experience the pain of a thorn, that, ex, that, that spirit can cause you to be able to rejoice over that situation, even though it's painful. Paul certainly experienced, the Bible says, a messenger of Satan to buffet him. And that word buffet that he uses right there is a word that means a continual striking in the kidney area, a continual blow in the back, a continual striking, forceful, painful, continual, without ceasing. That's how Paul described his thorn in the flesh. But he said, in my weakness, he is strong, so therefore I take glory in being weak. He rejoiced through a hard situation. And if we're going to go to the place that God needs us to go, wants us to go, desires us to go, the first thing that we have to learn to do is to rejoice at all times, in every circumstance. The word evermore is the Greek word, there you go right there beside it, pentode, pentode, I think that's how you'd say it. And that word evermore means at all times, always, evermore, always, and the word always stresses a manner and time, always, all means, all the way. God wishes his people to be happy and does not suffer them to be indifferent at their own, to their own peace. He commands them to rejoice, yea, to rejoice evermore. Are you overwhelmed yet? Rejoice evermore. So let's look for just a moment here. Talked a lot. Let's 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 look at let's look at some quick examples. Let's go to Psalms 100. The 100th Psalm. 
It is. Sure. And, and, and you're going to. But let, let's let's build on that just a second. So what if what if you harbor what if what if you harbor that? What if you get upset about something? Like like let's just say, let's just say like Monday night, we I've been talking about pack the house for how long? Too long. I've been calling everybody, I've been going to stuff, I've been sending out stuff, we've been we've been doing this for months. Let's just say, let's just say that 20 people showed up. Let's just say that 20 people showed up instead of 300 or however many there were. Let's say 20 showed up. What would be my response to 20 people showing up for something that I had promoted for months? Huh? Disappointment, yes. There's there's two there's two positions right there. I would have been disappointed. I would have been upset. I would have said, "Why aren't they supporting me? Why why are they telling me yes to my face and then not showing up?" I could have had all those emotions. And I went th- the reason I'm I'm harping on this is because I went through this Monday during my prayer time. Monday morning I was praying about it. I was up here and I was praying about it, asking, you know, thanking the Lord for it. Trying to, and and the thought went through my head about what if everybody don't show up? And you know what I had to do? I had to say, God, I thank you for whoever's there. I had to choose to rejoice. And if 20 would have showed up, I would have had to say, that's the 20 God wanted here. If if a thousand would have showed up, I would have said, that's the thousand God wanted here. But, but if you get your goals and your expectations set right and you get disappointed, then that, that still can only go in your flesh. You've got to learn to say, God, you're in control of this. This is a spiritual thing. We're not, we're not selling Amway here. Is that a bad reference? <laughs> we're, not, we're not selling something here. I'm not trying to get everybody together so I can... So I can so I can do something like that. So I can so I can bring you into something. You know, we're we're, we're trying to promote a spiritual thing here, and and if God needs twenty there, then I need to rejoice. It's twenty there. If He needs a thousand there, then I need to rejoice that a thousand's there. But in whatever state I find myself, I need to learn to be content. 
content. Paul found himself in jail, had been in jail for about six years, and he said, I have found in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So, evermore, we are at Psalms 100. So let's read Psalms 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. If the sound system squeals, serve the Lord with gladness. If the amplification doesn't work on the stage, serve the Lord with gladness. If we're messing up the song, serve the Lord with gladness. If the lights go out, serve the Lord with gladness. If your car has a flat on the way up here, serve the Lord with gladness. If you have a difficult time at home and your kids have gone nuts, serve the Lord with gladness. I was, I was listening to a lady today on, on CD that was involved, you all know, probably know about her, involved in a bus tragedy. And one of the things she said today was, she was, it was at a women's convention from years ago, and, and she said, ladies, don't come home and open the door and tell your husband and your kids, well, I see you haven't done anything while I've been gone. I see the house is just in the state I thought it would be. Stuff all over the floor. The dishes hadn't been washed. What have you done for the three days when I've been gone? She said, don't do that. Go back and be sweet. Because a lot of people don't have anybody to go home to. A lot of people, the house will look just like it did when they left. And they wish somebody was there. So be thankful that somebody's there. And, and it's just a, like Mike was saying, it's an, it's an attitude of rejoicing. But in that attitude, you set an atmosphere. And in that atmosphere, you can begin to see God work. Number one, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that he that the Lord he is God, that he hath made us, and that we are not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates, how? With thanksgiving. And into his courts, how? With praise. What else? Be thankful to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. <laughs> the Lord is good. If your situation's bad, God's still good. And if you can tap into him, your situation will be good. God is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Praise gets the attention of my spirit and silences the doubts of my flesh. Praise gains the attention of God by raising my thoughts to Him. God doesn't need my praise. He is complete without it. He doesn't need my worship. He is complete without it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He doesn't need anything that I can give him. It's not, I'm not praising him and worshiping him to try to supply some need that he has. I am praising him and worshiping him to put my mind 
in accordance with his mind and to put my will in accordance with his will and to set the atmosphere so that whenever I go to prayer, then I'll know how I should pray. Then I know how I should pray because you can pray amiss. You can pray amiss. Look, let's look at John 15, 5 through 10. We're talking about setting an atmosphere by rejoicing. Setting an atmosphere by rejoicing. When, when God brought Eve to Adam and presented her to him for the first time, he did not look at her and say, oh, her nose is too wide. He didn't look at her and say, what color hair is that? He looked at her and loved her and thought she was perfect. He rejoiced in what God, you say, how do you know he rejoiced? Because he was willing to follow her into sin and to separate himself from God in order to be with her. He rejoiced in her. He celebrated her. He was excited to see her. He realized that he needed someone, that everybody had someone, but he had no one. And even though he had a relationship with God, he needed a relationship with a human that God created when he created Eve. And he put them together, and the result was rejoicing. The result was rejoicing. And, and when we rejoice, it, it places us in a position where we can start to hear what God is saying. First, John 15, 5 through 10 says, I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. He that abides in me, he that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing, nothing. You may, you may have a lot of activity. You may, you may drive buses. You may bring people. You may, you may, you may cause something to happen. But if, it's, but if Jesus isn't in the middle of it, then as far as the spirit world is concerned, it's nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. How can I be confident in that scripture? How can I be confident that I can ask what I will and it S-H-A-L-L -L be done? Now, I used to write contracts for, for, for construction and there was a lot of difference between should and could and shall. If I said the contractor should keep his area clean or the contractor would, it's up to the contractor to keep his area clean. If I say he should, that left him with a position of he might or he might not because I said should. But if I said he shall keep his area clean and I came and his area was dirty, I could say shall clean it up. So how can I be confident that this scripture is right that says shall be done? If my words, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will. How can I be confident in what I just said? Because 
I'm abiding in him, he's abiding in me, that means me and him are talking and, wa and walking the same walk, talking the same talk. So if I ask anything according to his will, then it shall be done. If I ask amiss because I didn't set the atmosphere and I just came in there and said, oh, God, I need a swimming pool. Lord God, please give me a swimming pool. I want a swimming pool. I need a swimming pool so the youth can come down to my house and be baptized and, and go swimming. God, give me a swimming pool then I'll tell you what, he might do it. And if he does it out of his will, I'll, I'll, I'll regret it. I don't want to keep it clean. It's going to cost too much money. I'm going to say, why did I ever want this stupid thing? And when it's all said and done, I'm going to call for a bunch of dirt and I'll fill the stupid thing in and wish I'd have never bought it. Because I asked amiss. I didn't rejoice and set the atmosphere so that my mind and his mind were talking the same talk. And when you, yes, ma'am. I don't know. <laughs> I would think so. Yes, it is because it will be a response to what God's will is. So, yeah, I would think it, God would have to be in you. Then your mind is his mind. Your thoughts are his thoughts. Your actions are his actions. You are you are Jesus with flesh on. And so let's let's look one other place here. First, John 5, 14 and 15. First, John, that's in the back. Chapter five, verse 14 and 15. We're talking about rejoicing evermore. Rejoicing evermore, setting the atmosphere for our prayer time. We haven't started praying yet. We're just setting the atmosphere. We're getting, we're getting things ready to go. And in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, he says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his, according to his, you see how that ties back to the other scripture? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will, because if, if that's true, like, like Tracy was saying, if, if the Lord's living in you, and you're walking with him, and you're talking with him, and, and you're, you're like Enoch, you know, you're, you're in lockstep with the Lord, then, then his will is going to be my will. I'm going to want what he wants. So if I ask anything according to my will, and here he says, if we ask anything according to his will, so the two wheels need to be together. Am I right? Does this, am, I, am I correct? And those wheels are going to become together whenever we set the right atmosphere. And if we have those wheels, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we shall have the petitions that we desired of him. So twice John says that if, if our will is his will, then we can rest assured that God will answer in accordance with how we pray. And in order to find that space, we first of all set the atmosphere by rejoicing forevermore. Um, I, I want to I tell you, I, I, just keep, I wasn't going to talk about this, but it just keeps going over in my head. And so I'm just going to make an aside comment here real quick that 
the children of Israel were told to go and possess the land, right? Uh, when they left Egypt, they went to Sinai. After two years, they left Sinai. They went to Kadesh Barnea. God said, possess the land. And the Bible says that they sent out 12 spies. You know the story. Ten of them came back bad. One of them came back, two of them came back good. And the Bible says in, Ex, in uh, Exodus uh, 14, it says that the children of Israel wept all night because of the bad report. They wept all night. And that date that that occurred was the ninth of the month of Av. Um, I'd have to get a Jewish calendar to see exactly what that is, but I, th I, think, it's, I think it's around August, the ninth of Av. And if you go through the Jewish history, you'll find that on the ninth of Av is a day that a lot of bad things happen. Both temples, um, the temple that was destroyed by Solomon's temple that was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar, and Herod's temple that was destroyed by the Romans, both of those temples were destroyed on the ninth of Av. And the Jewish people believed that because they wept all night when they didn't have a reason to cry, that God makes that a night when they have a reason to cry. Have you ever told your child, maybe I should say, my mother has told me before, if you don't quit crying, I'm about to give you a reason to cry. If you don't quit that whining, I'm fixing to give you a reason to whine. And that's scriptural. <laughs> and if you look in Psalms 89, and you look in uh, other Psalms, you'll find uh, 44, Psalms 44 and Psalms 89. They'll say, this is what you promised. And then they'll start blaming God. But thou hasn't brought us in. But thou has caused our enemies to triumph. But thou has caused this. But thou has caused that. Well, he caused it because they wouldn't worship him. Because they built idols. Because they, they lived like heathens. And so God didn't promote them. But they blame him, and at the end of it, they start crying, Oh, God, when will you come deliver us? Oh, God, when will you change our situation? They're crying when they got no reason to cry. And I'm going to tell you, you want to shut your prayers down? You want to silence your prayer? You want to make it to where God doesn't hear you? Start talking like that. Set the atmosphere where you're whining about stuff that you got no business whining about. God, God, he fed you, clothed you, and, and put you in your right mind. What more do you need? You're better than 80% of the world right there. If you got running water and you got sewage inside your, I mean, not sewage, but if you got toilets <laughs> inside your house. <laughs> you know what they say, rural flush is better than a full house. <laughs> oh. Back to the sheet, singing a new song. There are five new songs introduced in Psalms. Psalms 33.3, Psalms 96.1, Psalms 98.1, Psalms 144.9, and Psalms 149.1. That's the verses and the chapters where they're introduced. In three of those instances, Psalms 96, Psalms 98, and Psalms 149, the chapter that follows introduces a new concept of God that wasn't previously known before the psalm. Psalm 97, which is introduced by Psalm 196, which says, sing unto the Lord a new song. Psalm 97 introduces God with a song of his majesty in his creation. 
Psalms 98, which begins, sing a new song. Introduces Psalms 99, which is a song of worship by the people. So I wanted to take just a moment in closing tonight, and I want us to look at Psalms 149 and Psalms 150. We're talking about setting an atmosphere of rejoicing. Now these last five Psalms, Psalms 146 through Psalms 50, are called Halil Psalms. And they're called Halil because every one of them begins with the word hallelujah. Now in your English Bible, it says praise the Lord, which is the translation of the word hallelujah. But in Psalms 146 through Psalms 50, the Halil Psalms begin, and I think they end, with praise the Lord. So let's look at Psalms 149, and it says, Praise the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and is praise in the congregation of the saints. So, Psalms 150 is going to be a new song. Psalms 97 said sing a new song. Psalms 90, or sorry, 96, 98, and then 97, 99, those were new songs. Psalms 149 says sing a new song. So let's listen to the new song that God wants us to sing. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in the firmament of his power. Where is the firmament of his power? Where, what is firmament? Remember, in the beginning, God made a firmament. Yeah, the firmament is the sky. So the firmament of his power, like Gina says, is everywhere. Wherever you are, you're in the firmament of his power. You're under the sky. And the firmament is the sky. So he says, praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of a trumpet. Praise him with the psalter and a harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with stringed instruments. Praise him with organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Chuck lost Lorraine last week. She went in for a pretty... It was pretty uninvasive procedure. They were going to put a stent in to help the blood flow go down to her feet. It, it went wrong from the beginning. They then tried to make an incision to put a graph in to, call, to bypass everything the doctor did. And I'm just telling you what Chuck told us Tuesday morning at prayer meeting. Everything the doctor did, did went wrong. It went wrong from the beginning, and it never turned around. And Lorraine ended up dying from a massive heart attack. Chuck said he thinks the massive heart attack occurs when her spirit left her body. Chuck said Tuesday morning at the prayer meeting, he said that the next morning when he woke up, it had rained, and he went outside, and he looked at the rain gauge, and he came in, and he turned to her chair and said, we got an inch and a half of rain last night, but of course she wasn't there. And he said he kind of chuckled to himself because he said, how could I do something so dumb? Talk to her when she's not here. And he said he went in the kitchen and he mentioned that several months ago he had prayed through that he had turned her over to the Lord. And he said, God, 
she's yours. I release her to you. Um, you know, I believe that you're going to heal her. I know you're going to heal her, but I release the method to you. And as he was in his kitchen, the morning after Lorraine had passed, he was in there and he began to praise God. He began to rejoice. He began to thank God. And Chuck said Tuesday morning, and those of you that were Tuesday morning, you're welcome to correct me, but I believe what he said was, I'm no dancer, but when the Spirit of the Lord came in that house, I began to dance and shout in that kitchen. Why? Because he set an atmosphere. He set an atmosphere. He rejoiced evermore over his circumstance. He began to praise him in the permanent of his power. Permanent. Firmament of his power. He began to praise him for his mighty acts. He began to praise him for his excellent greatness. He began to give God glory. And when he did, he set an atmosphere. And once he set the atmosphere, then God began to work within that atmosphere. He brought the kingdom of God down to earth. Oh, Chuck's right there. Did I say that right? I didn't even, I didn't even see you up there. Did I get that right? Good. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't say something because I would have, oh, Lord. <laughs> been, that sounds like Chuck. God sounds like Chuck. <laughs> so the first thing to have an effectual prayer life is to set the atmosphere. Rejoice evermore. Not saying you can't have bad days. Not saying that bad things aren't going to happen. Not saying you're not going to get mad, not going to get frustrated, not going to get angry. Not going to have, you know... And, and everything that can happen will happen. But that thorn has to stay only in the flesh so that the spirit can still rejoice. Is, is, this, is, is this making sense? Are we good? Anybody have, anybody have a question or a comment they'd like to make? Yes, ma'am. Right, we can, we can. Right, when did he do that? After Ziglag was burned. After Ziglag was burned, his home. All his family's gone, everybody's gone. David took the epod. He said, I don't need a priest. I need to hear from God. <laughs> and he encouraged himself in the Lord. Right, yes ma'am, go ahead. Mm -mm.
Let, let's, and, and I know it's time to go, but real quick, let's, let's just talk about that for just one, two seconds. How do we keep that thorn in the flesh? Let's say, let's say we had a thorn bush up here, and you came up here and you put your hand on it. How do you keep that thorn from going deeper into your hand? What do you do? You pull your hand back. You feel the pain, you jerk your hand back, right? So whenever you, whenever you feel something, an emotion, a feeling, an anger, a resentment, a revenge, when you begin to feel those things, in order to keep it in your flesh and not allow it to go into your spirit, what do you have to do? Pull your hand back. If you embrace it, if you come up here and you got stuck and you said, Whoa, and you just grabbed it and just, Whoa, then it's going to go deep. <laughs> you're you're going to have to have, you're going to have, sis, have Sister Kathy come up here with a needle and dig it out because you let it go away in your flesh because you grabbed it. But if you feel it and back off, then you limit how far it goes. And that's, that's the goal here. When these things happen, when the enemy comes in like a flood, when these emotions come in like a flood, when these situations cause uh, disappointment to come in like a flood, the, the, the answer is not to embrace the problem, but it's to step away, to pull your hand back, and to only let that thorn pierce the flesh and not get into the spirit. Yes, still away. Stand tonight. I, I, we could keep talking about this all night probably, but I need to get Sister Pam up here teaching this. She's, this is what she does for a living now. That and chase grandkids. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord God, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your anointing, Lord God. I pray, Almighty God, that, Lord, you would help us to continually set an atmosphere for prayer, God. Lord, that we would learn, Lord God, to rejoice evermore, Father. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity, Lord God, to make these kind of choices, Lord God. And we give you praise for it tonight. Bless and keep, Lord God. Bless our women's meeting on Friday night, God. Bless it and keep it, O oh God, and cause your will to be done, Lord. Anoint our speaker, Lord God, and anoint the service, Father. God, bring us back Sunday, Lord God, entering your gates with thanksgiving in our hearts, in your courts with praise, Lord God, knowing that you are good and you are merciful. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.